We are continuing our sermon series, Encounters with the Messiah in the Gospel of John. Last week, we learned about John the Baptist laying the way for Jesus. And in our story today, we have Jesus calling his first disciples. So listen for a word from, God, from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. The next day, John the Baptist again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard, this, heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was saying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom, about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he continued and said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer, our stronghold and our safe place. We pray this all in your name. Amen. My wife, Allie, and I do not disagree often. That's not because we don't have disagreements. It's because we're passive people. We prefer peace to conflict. We prefer passiveness to aggression. We don't like passive aggression. That's the same thing as aggression. But every once in a while, we'll get into a spirited debate on something we know that we're correct in. And it's usually something incredibly trivial in our lives. But because we're so sure we're correct, we can't let it go. I'll give you an example. Every year we read A Christmas Carol. It is a favorite holiday tradition of ours. And recently I was looking at the copy that we had and I was like, this is a, this is a beautiful copy. Where did, we, where did we get this? And Allie said, we, I'm pretty sure we ordered it online. I was like, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was something more special than that. And she's like, no, we definitely ordered it online. I'm like, no, but like, 
I think it was more than an Amazon cart purchase. I think it was something like, I remember getting it and being excited. And she's like, I swear, we just ordered it online. And I was like, wait, no, I remember. We got it from that independent bookstore in Oregon. And she's like, I promise you, we got this on Amazon. And sure enough, she pulls up the emails with her very organized Gmail accounts and goes right to the order list, and there is the order. And I hang my head, and there's no, there's no disputing the email. But then as I'm looking through my photos, I find the photos from that trip, and I'm standing outside the bookstore holding that exact copy. And I'm like, see, look it. And it turns out we have two copies, and we both bought one. And we were both right, and we were both wrong. But we were so sure of our correctness. We were so sure of the fact that we were right, we couldn't even hear what the other person was saying. We couldn't listen to what they were trying to communicate. The disciples are encountering Jesus for the first time. The readers of the Gospel of John are probably really getting their first theological lesson. They've, they've heard of this Jesus through hearsay, through myth, through village gossip. And they come with all their points of views, all their presuppositions. They have all these realities that they have constructed. They have these glimpses, glimpses of who God is and who Jesus Christ is. And they, these glimpses provide a variety of interpretations. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, he proclaims, this is the Lamb of God. Andrew and Peter first identify Jesus as rabbi or teacher, and then Andrew recognizes him as the Messiah. Philip identifies Jesus as him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, and then again, Jesus as son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nathaniel, after his disparaging comments about Nazareth, sees Jesus as the Son of God, the King of Israel. And then finally, Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man. So in these 16 short verses, Jesus is called the Lamb of God, Rabbi, Messiah, him whom Moses and the law talked about, Son of Joseph of Nazareth, Son of God, King of Israel, Son of Man, and literally all these titles are true. They're all a piece of who Christ is, a piece of an understanding of who Jesus is. To insist that only one of the disciples or one of the people in this story was correct would be foolish, wouldn't it? To say that only one title assigned to Jesus is the correct way to talk about Jesus, that would demote is, it would limit all Jesus has done and will do in the world. It would be restricting Christ's majesty. Yet don't we do this sometimes in our lives? We look at our own theological tradition, or our own theological upbringing, our own understanding and experience of God, and insist that that is the only absolute true way, and therefore the only way to understand God. I know for a fact that I have been guilty of this once or twice in my life. Growing up, I had this kind of fundamental, rigid understanding of religion, and when someone crossed me, you better believe I was going to debate them. In college, when I was introduced to new ideas, I decided 
everything that I had learned previously was wrong and this new hippie Jesus I had constructed in my own image. Now that was the right Jesus and I was going to debate anyone who said otherwise. My sureness consistently led me to my wrongness. I missed so many opportunities to learn along the way from people. To insist on your own view of God as my story exemplifies will only eventually make a hypocrite of you as we end up growing in our faith and our understanding. It also, and I can attest to this, makes you a very unpleasant person to be around. And finally, it limits all that God is. If the author of John's gospel decides the only correct title of Jesus is the Son of Man, the one he refers to as himself, then we miss so much. We miss Jesus' kingship in our lives. We miss his saving grace through being the Messiah. We miss our understanding that he was born fully man and so knows us completely. And that is the danger of our insistence of one way of looking at God. But on the flip side, on the positive aspect, what this scripture models and demonstrates for us is that when we enter into a community of faith, when we discuss our experiences with God, with others, as we explain our own understanding, when we are vulnerable enough to share our own story, and when we're humble enough to listen, then we experience a fuller and more expansive Christ. We get a better glimpse at who God is. Even if the person we're talking to, if their language of how God's action of the world is different than ours, even if their understanding on the authority of Scripture may diverge from our own, even if their theological presuppositions may differ, we can still listen and grow. Come and see, church. Come and see all Christ has done in the lives of Christ's beloved children. Come and see how Jesus has worked in the world and is continuing to reveal himself. Now, I don't want to suggest that there aren't fundamental truths that we don't hold on to our entire lives, that don't change in who we understand God is. I have always foundationally believed that God is love, and I don't think that'll ever change, and I hope that never changes. But I've grown in my understanding of what that means, that God is love. That God is love, that God is compassionate, that God is intimate, that God is merciful and forgiving, that God's love wins out over God's condemnation. And I've grown in these things because of the stories of Scripture and the stories of the people of God. So as we enter into a new year, let us longingly pursue Jesus Christ in perhaps a new way to see him. Maybe we've had the same picture of Jesus our entire life. Maybe that picture is, you know, that one picture of Jesus that's in every person's house or grandparents' person's house that's in our church library. It's in every church library. It's called the Salmon Jesus Tara corrected me on that. Um, she said, it's the salmon Jesus. And I was like, like the fish? And she's like, no, that's the artist. And it's been produced all over the world. Um, maybe that's your vision of Jesus, as my professor called him, the surfer Jesus, with the nice long hair and the great beard. But what if we allowed ourselves to grow in our understanding of Jesus? What if we took him out of the box that we so often place him in? 
Jesus is someone who constantly surprises and subverts expectations. Nathaniel makes the disparaging comment, the rhetorical question of what good can come out of Nazareth, right? The obvious answer is nothing. Nothing good can come out of that podunk town. Yet Jesus blesses the world. Jesus, who emerges and changes the course of history. Jesus surprises and illuminates and grows. Jesus shatters our expectations and creates something new, something better. Nathaniel's life will never be the same because something really good came out of Nazareth. Our lives will never be the same because something really good came out of Nazareth. So let us grow in our understanding of who Jesus Christ is by coming to scripture and looking at the names Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, our rabbi and our Messiah, he whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about, Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth, Jesus, the son of God, the king of Israel, the son of man. But let us also share our own names at who Jesus has been in our lives. Let us create our own titles and share that with the community of who God has been. Jesus, who is merciful Lord, who is intimate Savior, who is beloved friend, who is the Prince of Peace. Jesus, who knows us completely and loves us still. Let Jesus surprise you by listening being humble enough to listen to his word and his action in the world, to listen to his work in our community, and listen to his blessing in our lives. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.